Hey, 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 drama listeners. I am so excited to share this new episode with you this week. We have Joelle Blackman, who, as many of you probably know, plays Persephone, the lady of the underground in Town on Broadway. She actually started out as one of the fates, so you know her voice from the cast album. And actually, if you got that holiday album, um, I think it's called Should the Fates Allow or If the Fates Allow, that the original fates in Town made. It's very good. We don't talk about that today, but we talk about a different holiday, and that's Halloween. So why don't you um, snuggle in, unwrap your favorite candy, doesn't matter if it's before or during, and enjoy our little Halloween episode we have here where we chat with Joelle. But Connor and I also have a discussion about Halloween ends and horror movies in general. It's a really fun episode. It's a little bit shorter than normal, so it's a little bit more, we'll call it a bite-sized, you know, like when you go trick-or-treating and... They give you the bite-sized candy versus the king-sized ones. And um, I also wanted to thank you all for the support that we've gotten for our Gavin Creel episode last week. It has been one of our biggest weeks in downloads ever. And we are so grateful to Gavin, but also all of you for spreading the good word. If you love drama, if you fell in love with drama recently, or if you want to help support the podcast, we do have a Patreon. You can donate $5 a month for bonus episodes, close friends, access on Instagram, and so much more little tricks and treats here and there. It means the world to Connor and I, but it also helps keep drama going. And um, the link is just right in the episode notes. I hope that you enjoy this episode with Joelle and get ready for even more drama. Press play. Curtain up an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an They option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Boo. Dylan, spooky season is about to end. It is. And speaking of things that have ended, Halloween. Halloween. Yes. <laughs> Halloween ends has been released to the world. You know, it always gives me great pause when something is released on Peacock and in theaters on the same day. Yeah. And having seen Halloween ends starring Jamie Lee Curtis, I understand why I went to Peacock right away. Oh, I know. Listen, I <laughs> am devastated to say this because, you know, we're obviously a spoiler free zone on drama. Well, it's been out for a few weeks by the time this comes out. Been, Although yes. I don't want to spoil it for our guests, so maybe yes. we'll we'll still stay spoiler free. But what were you gonna say? Yes. I we usually love everything. I mean, everyone doesn't like something, I will find something to like about it. And this movie, it was just not excellent. And I am so sad because I love the Halloween franchise. I know. I think its biggest problem, which like I guess we're kind of delving into spoilers. Well, I guess I don't know. It's a horror movie, but there was nothing scary about it, which is yeah. terrible. I mean, not that I like really being scared. You know, I'm a scaredy cat, but... You are. I am, I the am. The suspense even of the original movies that they did recreate when they rebooted it in like 2018. 18. There wasn't even any of that. It was just so interesting. And then you had told me that it was like a, a two or three month film shoot, which is very short for a film shoot. I mean, I especially so. with the budget that Halloween had. I mean, I feel like most movies might shoot for six months from what I've, not that I've ever, you know, been in one yeah. on a set. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I do applaud the film for trying something different with the plot, but it felt like it could have been a follow-up sequel to whatever this third one was in this trilogy. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like if they were starting another trilogy after this, 
I don't want to say too much, but I'm disappointed. But Dylan, have you seen any other scary movies this year in the spirit of Halloween that you want to recommend? Well, you know, I have been trying to make my way through scary movies and I have found myself because, you know, you and I have watched all the the franchises, the the screams that I know what you did last summer, those types of movies. I'm starting to watch what is being called in the media as elevated horror. So like the movies that try to are scary, but try to like have a point and make a purpose. And so I did watch the remake of Suspiria earlier this Ooh, week. How was that? Terrific. Tilda Swinton, Dakota Johnson. It was amazing. Long, 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 long. Yeah. Yeah. I would say you would be a little scared. And then <laughs> I watched, check it out. Yeah, then I watched The Witch, which was a um, Anya Taylor-Joy's film debut. Her debut? Yeah, from a couple years ago. And she was Look. enigmatic as always. And, you know, her big eyes, they tell so much. They do. She's mm-hmm. cute. I loved the Queen's yeah. Gambit. Oh, wait, that was yes. what it was called, right? Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. It came out of my mouth and I was like, was it called something different? No, yeah. <laughs> but I also want to say I am rocking my Nina West Heels of Horror t-shirt in the spirit of Halloween. So love it. You know, I'm I a merch queen at heart. So I got to always get my, my themed clothing. Well, Dylan... I want to dive into our episode, the, the chat part of our episode with our yes. guest. Wait, and I'm, I'm having a, a weird moment here. This show could be, you know, spooky adjacent. Ooh, we do go, we go down under the underground. Yeah. We go to Town, baby, which yes. is one of my favorites. And cannot wait to chat all about it with our guest. Would you please do us the honors right. of reading, reading her in? Yes, Absolutely. Our guest today is currently making her Broadway debut in Town, starring as the lady of the underground, Persephone. Before sipping her dandelion wine on stage eight times a week, our guest originated in the company as one of the fates, also appearing in the Canadian company of Town. Some of her fabulous credits include performing in The Lion King as Nala and Shenzi, We Will Rock You, Carolina Change, Dreamgirls, and Three Seasons at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. She also appeared on television in Kim's Convenience, Frankie Drake, Private Eyes, Shadow Hunters, and on film in Nine Lives and Crossword Mysteries. Our incredible guest is a mother, actor, singer, songwriter, playwright, and violinist who is a native of Toronto, Canada. We're thrilled to have her join us today. Please welcome to Drama, Joelle Blackman. Thank you. That's a great welcome. Oh, yes. Welcome to Drama. Thank you. (laughs) How are you doing today? Are you well? I am well. I have a lot of things going on, but I'm well. I usually thrive that way. So okay. Because then you're able to make sure you take time for each thing instead of being like, oh, I'll get to it when I, you know, I have all this free time. I'm a terrible procrastinator. Okay. So when I have deadlines, deadlines help me to, yeah. to towards something. But it's better. I think it's, I operate better when I have many things going on as opposed to not just one thing sure. or nothing. I get that, actually. I totally do. We, is, at any of these um, professional or exciting creative endeavors you want to share about? Yes, of course. Um, I have my uh, New York City solo debut yes. happening on October 23rd at 54 Below at 7 p.m. And so I'm working and getting that together. Song list and I have some guest artists. And yeah, so that's the big deal. That's Oh yeah, my gosh, that's... that is so exciting. I worked at 54 Below for like three years and it was always, yes. always such a fun time in that creative process. I was in the marketing department. Love it. Love that. Yeah. yeah. How cool. Okay. So do you, do you want to give a little tease of what people can expect at this show? Oh yeah. So I don't consider myself like a 
standard, typical musical theater artist. I didn't go to school to study music theater. I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer. And um, I'll, I'll tell you the defining moment when that changed. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't come to musical theater with a vast, with vast knowledge. Like I couldn't tell you a bunch of different shows and who were the stars and what won a Tony in 1968. And I couldn't tell you any of that kind of stuff. But I know the shows that I like are usually the shows that I've done. <laughs> Yeah, so it's basically an eclectic mix of music that I think has informed, music and artists that have informed my artistry. So you'll get anything from hearing Sondheim to Nina Simone to Shaka Khan to Jill Scott. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of all over the place. And what I'm finding in putting this list together is that all of those, although there are many, they're quite different genres, mm-hmm. those artists are such storytellers. And I think that's the main, that, that's kind of the through line throughout all of them, throughout all of the music in my show. There's definitely a story. I'm not just looking to make your head, you know, Bob, it's more right. about yeah. what am I talking about what is this person or character experiencing? So that's kind of cool to realize that as I've selected the songs and artists that I've chosen. So that's cool. Ooh, that's really cool. You know, I've seen so many solo debuts over the years yeah. and it sounds like this is a really interesting approach to it. I do have a question because I know that you are an, an instrumentalist and Connor mm-hmm. and I actually saw you in a concert in 2019 that was like the Broadway debuts of that season. Yes. And you, I don't think you played an instrument that night, but I am curious, will you okay. be accompanying yourself on any of your songs? No, I didn't want to. So yeah. yeah. Violinist, yes, and I've been playing it since I was eight years old, but I just didn't want to lean into that at this particular concert. Like I could have done something. My mother, my mother probably like, yeah, bring out the violin, but I just don't feel like it. You know, sometimes like it, sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I just don't feel like bringing it out. That's totally fair. And but your special guests are gag worthy. I mean, I know that Lilius White (laughs) is one of them, right? Yeah, we're gonna. I'm not saying we're gonna sing, but (laughs) yeah. It's crazy that that's happening. Literally 20 years ago, I was working on Disney Cruise Line, playing a muse in Hercules, playing Calliope. And I became infatuated with the life on that cruise line. So some of my friends, we would get together and we would like sing through the show. And now I'm going to be, and now I'm working with Nilius. I'm going to be singing. Like, it's just, you never know where life will lead. Cause I would have never thought this would happen. Yeah. This, never. Was that that musical? It was like the musical version of Hercules that only happened on cruises. It was called Hercules, the musical, right? The musical. Yeah. It was a great show. I don't know why that couldn't survive off, off, off a ship. I know. Because they did do it in um, at the Delacorte a couple summers ago, but it was a different, it was a rewriting. It was different. I, yeah. I much preferred what they did. They just literally took the movie and they mm-hmm. put it on stage and it was hilarious and it was great. It was I mean, and the muses are the fun. best part of Hercules. So fun. So, fun. so remember that choir, bless my soul. <laughs> Is Calliope the role that Lilius voice in the movie? That's what I can't remember, but I think she might be because Calliope is the head. Calliope is like the lead of them all. So I think she was. I think she was Calliope. I should ask okay. her. Who are the other yeah. fates? Or, I mean, oh my God, the fates, the muses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't even tell you the names now. I couldn't tell you the names. They're all like names though. Like I remember oh, it's like a star. Okay. Yeah, it's a roster. It's five. It's five muses, right? I think so. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the names now. I just remember Calliope because I was Calliope. Um, but I couldn't remember, couldn't tell you the other ones right now. That's so fun. Oh my God. Well, obviously we'll talk about your different theatrical experiences over the years. And I'm, whatnot, I'm but... also shocked to hear that you're like, oh yeah, 20 years ago I was working on a cruise. I'm like, you I, you look so young. I'm, I'm a little shaken to my core. Oh, it's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> While we're on the topic of Lilius, though, what has it been like with her now in Hades Town as as Madam Hermes? Is that what they're calling her? Yeah, or Mrs. Hermes. Mrs. Mrs. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's very. It's a. She brings a different energy to Hermes than Andre. Andre, they're both godly in their own ways, right? But Andre had a kind of reverence and an almost kind of don't touch in a way. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there was there was a bit of a distance. Whereas with Lilius, it's a bit more. It's not that Andre. It's not, not that Andre was inviting. It's just a different feeling. Like more, she's more warm is the easier way to put it. It's a bit more warm, enveloping and bringing you in to the fold in that way. So that's the main, that's the main difference. Like even how she comes out and greets, like she literally greets just about every person on stage when she enters, which is very different from what Andre did. You know, I saw that in a video. I think they, they re- Hades Town released a video of her first entrance. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, it's different, but it's great. And different hearing different voices do different things with that music. And that's, what's so great about this musical is that Aeneas and uh, Rachel, they're all about bringing that individual, you know, to, to the role. So we don't have to try, I don't have to try and be like Amber and, and she doesn't have to try and be like Andre, which is great. But it all works. But you know? works. Exactly. You got to get the right people who can, who can mm-hmm. do that, right? Who are comfortable enough in themselves and who are yes. different to it. We talked to Alex Boniello, who was one of the producers on Hadestown um, over the summer. And he was telling us something similar about how it really just matters that the, the performer has the essence of the character. Exactly. exactly. And that can look very different in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. As we see with like the tour cast, I mean, oh, it's very different types. Really and... different. It's completely I love it. Different. Yeah. Gosh, in in preparing to chat with you today, I was of course listening to Hades Town, and it's it's a timeless piece. I mean, the music holds up; it is incredible. And then you don't want to stop. Like you hear one song, and you're like, okay, well, I have to just keep going. I can't just cherry pick from Spotify. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the music. That's what hooked me when I first read about the auditions way back in 2017. I was like, what's the show, Hades Town? And then I listened to, they'd done a recording of the New York Theater Workshop. And I was like, what is this? This is amazing. And, you know, you're, I'm humming, the, not so much now, but in the first year, I was still humming the songs when I was not at work. Like, <laughs> you know, like I was still singing the songs when I didn't have to. So that's how good the music is and the the themes will always be relevant that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. it'll never be out of style right yeah never never gosh i need to come and see you in it so were you always understudying persephone or did that happen later like i'm, I'm curious about your journey with the show itself i suppose yeah so i started as a fate in canada and then again originated here on broadway and i was not an understudy for persephone during that first year and then when they wanted to renew me for the next year, then they said, Joel, will you understudy? So the day of the shutdown was actually my last rehearsal before my put-in. My put-in was supposed to be the Friday and the shutdown on the Thursday. So the producers just walked on stage while we were in rehearsal and said, uh, uh, Governor Kumo has cut, uh, shut down New York City. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I guess I'll get on a flight and go back to Toronto. I, like, I- <laughs> right. <laughs> So you did, you went back to Toronto then? I did. I was back home for 18 months. I was back in Toronto for 18 months. Wow. And had yet to go on as Persephone. I hadn't even had my put in yet. Yeah. So by the time I came back, 
you know, still my contract to do Persephone, but I had to learn it all over again. But I think everything happens for a reason because the Persephone that I was preparing um, was vastly different from the Persephone that I brought. Interesting. What would you say the biggest change you noticed in what ultimately you put out there is? I think I, I think I was less worried about trying to be like Amber and I just leaned into more Jewel, who Jewel was. And I, and I, and during the pandemic, I went through a lot of things like a relationship broke up. I moved into back into a house where me and my partner were not together and our son is there and we're busy trying to sell the house. pandemic. So there was just a lot of life had happened to inform me which therefore informed Persephone. <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of, you know, everything happens for, I, I'm glad I didn't do it before. I'm glad it happened this way for sure. Yeah. And Persephone's been through some shit. Persephone is, that's not easy. She, she's like rides that roller coaster in that show. And that's what I love about that role. I haven't played a role like that before where the highs are so high and then the lows are like, gut-wrenching yeah and you your range speaking of highs and lows you have such a beautiful voice and i could listen to you sing anything specifically when you were in the fates in that trio oh my goodness the warmth of those low notes like you have such a gift Joelle. and i i was curious how it would translate to persephone and when i watched you do some stuff at um the curtain up festival that was recently oh, yeah. in times square i love your voice with Persephone too. It, I, I'm excited to see what else you sing at your concert. Not that I'll be able to be there, but whatever I, else you're able to do, because I think your voice is just t- phone book. Thank you. It's uh, what I like about Persephone. I wasn't able to lean as much into this um, as a fate because it's part of a trio, right? So mm-hmm. sure, we can each have our distinct voices, but we can't play as much with your voice because you have to stay in a certain area but i truly see my the voice or my voice as an instrument so there are many different timbres and nuances and i like to play in those extremes all the time mm. and persephone definitely lets me do that and that's what's very cool about persephone what i love about the fate is that i got to live in this low part that nobody ever writes for and that was amazing but persephone gives me kind of both both ends of the spectrum. Like I was there times when I was scared to sing Persephone stuff because it's getting higher than I would normally sing. Not that I can't do it. It's just that I hadn't been doing that for years. Right. But now I think I've reached a point where I'm complete. I'm comfortable now going from here to there and everywhere, which is very. Mm. Wow. Now I'm curious about when you realize you could sing, which I guess ties into a question we do ask all of our guests, which is about that moment you realize you want to be involved in the arts in some way, the ring of keys moment, that moment of recognition. Do you feel like you can pinpoint it to a certain experience or time in your life when you realized you wanted to, to dive into the world of arts entertainment and pop culture? Well, okay. So it's twofold because I came into the arts world as a violinist and my parents had subscription to the Toronto symphony orchestra And they took me when I was about six or seven years old and I saw the violins playing and I said, I want to play that. And so that's how that started. So I started taking violin lessons and that was cool. And then I remember the first movie I ever saw in in a movie theater. So I'm going to date myself now, but it doesn't matter is Annie. 
that's the first movie that I ever saw. And I was like, oh my God, it looks like so much fun. They're dancing and they're singing, doing all the things. And I started taking piano tap, um, jazz tap and ballet wow. lessons. But my, my goal was never to be, do that for a career, right? For whatever reason, maybe it was by my parents, you know, forcing me or not forcing me, but like wanting me to, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I think I liked, I liked, I liked to stand up for people. I often got in trouble doing that in school, standing up for people. And so I liked the idea of, of doing that, but then that shifted. And then I was like, no, I can, I can do entertainment law. So that would be interesting. Um, so I went all through high school and elementary school. I took part in shows on the side and whatnot, did some community theater, but still never with the intent of doing that for a career. It was just fun. And I could do it. Went to Queen's University, did a major in uh, music. I was a music major, picked up a second major in film studies, still with the intent of being a lawyer. But then while in my second year university, I saw The Lion King, the Canadian company. And then it was like, whoa, like it hit me in the face. I was like, oh, I can do that. And then that's literally where the whole trajectory trajectory changed. I saw The Lion King and I think a year later or six months later, I was auditioning for it. Didn't get in. I think I went through three rounds and then I eventually got into the Canadian company. And that's how this whole thing started. So was The Lion King your acting debut in literal life? Like, had you ever done a musical? So when I was in elementary school, I did, I, I did a production of Annie. Oh, I played, yeah? I, think I, I don't even think I was one of the orphans. I was actually, you know, the cleaning ladies in that, in the number that they <laughs> get to the house. Yeah. I think that. So I was, I was ensemble in that respect. But yeah, in terms of doing plays, that was that because I didn't do drama in high school at all. I did more singing and violin, like orchestra stuff. I did not do any drama. And even when I did the community theater, I wasn't doing community theater on the stage. I was playing in the pit. I was playing the violin in the pit. So it would probably be, no, when I went to Queens, that's where I did. I did um, a chorus line. I played Diana. Oh, I did Five Guys Named Mo. I was the only girl. I played Four-Eyed Mo. Oh, and I did The Wizard of Oz. I was the witch in Mrs. Gulch. So oh, that, fine. yeah, that's where I, I guess that's where it kind of started. But Wow. I guess it's just, it's so cool to me that you made this huge, you were so inspired. I mean, I guess music and the arts had always been a part of your life since childhood, but that you were on one path and then you saw The Lion King. And I'm sure there were other voices in your head telling, or, or the feeling in your gut telling you, you got to make a change or you got to try this, but I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty just kind of ballsy is the only word I can think of. Um, but it's pretty like, Hey, I can do that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just out of the, the blue. And it's not like my parents were like, yeah, go ahead, do that. No, I had to finish school. Right. I had to still get my, get my degree, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it more so too, is I saw people who looked like me and I was like, I, I don't know if I'd seen that. I don't think I'd seen that before too, right? And I was like, I love this movie. If there's any show that I would want to be in, why wouldn't it be that? So I kind of made it my goal. And I was like, I'm going to get into that show. And it happened eventually. You're, you're yeah. so cool. Oh my God. Was The Lion King fun? Was it what you thought it would be? The Lion King, I think it was a great learning experience for anyone going into the business. Um, I started as a swing. Oh, that and then you're learning about six or seven different dialects african dialects right so mosa like clicking languages all kinds of stuff so i covered about six female ensemble tracks and then i understudied sarabi and nala 
And then I took over Nala and then I closed the Canadian company as Shenzi. Like I did all the things and it was just the most beautiful. It really was the most beautiful experience. I couldn't have come into the business at a better time. I still have some of those friends from that time. It, yeah, that was a great, that was a great experience. Wow. It was a great I can, I can tell you, it seems like a fond time. Yeah. I was just thinking about the Lion King recently about how, you know, to many of us now, it, it's just this show that's been running for years and years and years. But mm-hmm. when it came out from this screen to stage adaptation with using these South African themes and the puppetry and Julie yep. Taymor's inventiveness, it really changed the game. And, and there's a reason why it drives so much tourism to this day. Oh. Yeah. It has employed so many artists, let alone artists of color in New York to this day, and obviously in Canada. Were you a part of the opening number? So Nala's not in the opening number, but when I was a swing, right, and I got to do um, those parts, I played the bird lady often, and sometimes... Oh, cool. See, you're you're the left leg of the elephant. And that's what I was going to mention is the elephant, that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very fun coming in. And I remember sitting there watching the show, and then literally a year later, I'm in the show. Like it's, uh, that. yeah, that, I haven't seen it. I've never seen The Lion King in New York. Okay, yeah, same. Uh, never seen it in New York. But I know if I did, I saw, I saw the touring company, so I had a few friends in it. It always makes me cry. The mm-hmm. opening number always makes me cry. Always. There's something about it. Yeah, it's so magical. And it's not like technical things haven't moved past forward and things could be, you know, better or whatever now, but it's not about that. It's about what, what it is in that moment. And it's just so special. It's just mm-hmm. so special. Yeah. Would you ever want to go back into it? Maybe, maybe as Rafiki? No, not as Rafiki. No, not as Rafiki. I to would- me, that's the role. Yeah. That my, that's my good friend. So CD Manye, who is Rafiki was my Rafiki in Canada. Oh, wow. She's been doing it forever. Um, but no, not Rafiki. No, I would, I would love to just go back to Shensi. That's a cool ass track. I used to, yeah. I used to sh- did I shower in that track. There was a track that I, that I did that I could literally shower in the second act and be ready to get out the door as soon as I came off. Stage. <laughs> <laughs> you had it down. Shensi, I could shower. There was like a 30 to 40 minute break where I could literally shower and I would shower. Oh, oh my Multitasking, God, making it happen. <laughs> Oh, okay, so after you did Lion King, and so you were always working in Canada then, was was Hadestown what brought you to the States? Yeah, it's literally Hadestown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so amazing. The story was you had played violin in the, the Canadian version. I was a violin but- fate, yeah, in Canada. Yeah. And then you weren't playing that on Broadway, right? Well, I got the, when I got the, my agent told me I got the call. They were like, yes, you're going to be a fate. I'm like, great. She's like, and you're going to play the accordion. I said, that must be a mistake. <laughs> I know I'm a violinist and I already did it. And the, and so my agent's like, yeah, yeah, probably you're right. So, you know, we let some time pass and I check back in. I'm like, okay, so that was a mistake, right? And they're like, no, Liam, the music director, knows you're a gifted musician and you'll figure it out because you play the piano. And I was like, okay. So I, even my mother was like, are you sure you want to make your Broadway debut learning how to play the accordion? <laughs> well, if they think I can do it, then I can do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Has ballsy. That That is ballsy. You are. Has being <laughs> on Broadway what you thought it would be? I suppose after having a career, you know, in Canada for all these years, Broadway probably feels like something you'd, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe something you always hoped to do. Has it been what you thought? Broadway is many things. What I will say is that um, I feel like my talents were finally noticed Mm. recognized and acknowledged and appreciated on Broadway. 
I will say that because I maybe maybe what I do is a little niche. You know, maybe it is. I'm not like your typical belter. I don't belt. I don't do that. You know, I don't say I don't riff. I don't sing. Maybe see people see me and expect me to sing a certain way. That's very much the mm-hmm. Canada, and I don't sing that way. So I feel like here I'm more able to be all of myself. That being said, you know, Broadway has its Broadway has issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, feeling sometimes feeling slighted in some respects still happens. Or, or happened, um, but it's it's just one big machine, it's one big business, and that's mm. and remind. I feel like I'm reminded of that more here than I am in the states. That it's a business, um, and that the um, bottom line is this is money. That's what always. I always. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for being honest about it. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. you know yeah. what I just realized? Not to change the subject too much, but Lashawn's voiced one of the the muses in Hercules. Yes. She did. Yeah, she did. You're right. You're right. You're right. Who else did? I know it's going to kill me that I can't remember. Our I'll li- ask a today. Our, lis- our, yeah, our she'll, listeners she'll are know. shouting into she'll the... Into, yeah. into, they're like, it was this person. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to be sticking around with Town for a while? Do our listeners have a chance to see you for a while? Oh, yeah. my, I'm here for a while. I'm a- All right, good. Good, good, good. Because I need to definitely get back. I haven't seen it since it was just opened. So I did see you in it previously, but different role. Joelle, are you a horror fan? Do you like scary movies, spooky season? I'm terrified. I turn that shit off. I I turn the volume down. I close my eyes. I look away. I'm the worst person. Oh, that's so funny. I'm terrified of horror movies. Yeah. Now. Okay. So you mentioned you have a son and has he seen you in the show? Oh Yeah. He's seeing me on the show. Like, what does he think? Zion, his name is Zion. Zion is so used to mommy doing this that it's it's cool, but it's like that's what you you know, this is what you do, mommy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> does he have any um performing bones or anything like that? He he's my child, he's a ele- he he's eleven years old. He has a great little singing voice. But I think he's in that stage now where he's not sure what's cool mm. to do and stuff. So I'll give him some, give him some years. He used to take piano lessons to play the piano love, but now he doesn't do that anymore. So we'll, we'll see. I didn't figure out what I wanted to do till I was like in my twenties. So yeah, <laughs> you did the, the Stratford festival for a few years. We had, we've had a few Canadians on this year. We had Paul Nolan and Shalina Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Did you work with either of them at all? I haven't really worked with Shalina. We've done one concert together, but I know Pino. Well, I call him Pino. Paul Nolan. <laughs> Uh, you know yeah, he's sweet what did we do together we did was it cabaret we did cabaret together is that right was he was he mc no 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 he was not the mc was he in beret now i'm confused oh no we did we did tommy together oh yeah Stratford festival we did tommy together and that was yeah he played the cousin cousin kevin he played cousin kevin and okay yeah i love p nolan yeah paul nolan did do cabaret no paul nolan at that point in time was in the ensemble i remember that yeah he was in the ensemble when we did when we did cabaret together um yeah he's lovely yeah he you all all of you canadians are let me just say you all there's something about y'all connor and i both love drag race canada are you familiar with that franchise i know the franchise but i haven't really watched it yeah yeah it's so fun it teaches you a lot about canadian culture what did Mm -hmm. you learn that yeah you didn't know you know it's funny it's even just some of the expressions that y'all use up north it's it's like it seems to be that there's this the canadian way feels a lot more 
it feels more community driven than some than I think the states feels. Do you feel that way? No, I don't think so. Really? Maybe it's just in their drag community. It seems like they're much more supportive of one another. Maybe because it's a smaller scene than you get Maybe. in the states. Yeah. On a whole, I'm just going based on New Yorkers compared to Toronto people. Torontonians and maybe just Canadians in general are too are so caught up in politeness um, that mm. it can feel very fake and disingenuous. And people, I find, don't interact as much with with each other in in outside settings, like at a restaurant or on just riding the subway or. At a mall, I remember when I first got here, having so many encounters with strangers, um, just, you know, shopping. I'm looking at a shoe over here and this woman's behind me. Do these look good? I'm like, are you speak? Oh, she's talking to me. So, you know, just randomly people wanting my advice or making that communication or, hey, sis, beautiful smile. Like that is not something that happens in Canada. I find New Yorkers way more open and social and yeah. kind. I've never had a bad experience from any New Yorker yet. Wow. I love that. I know. I think New Yorkers get a bad rep sometimes of being I, I, a certain way. I agree. They're just kind. Like, I think they're much kinder. They speak. Yeah. Yes. But I think they're kinder. I agree. I mean, coming from the Midwest, you know, when I first moved here, everyone was like, oh, you're, New York is going to toughen you up. People are a certain way. And when I got here, I found... The people were just as nice as they are in the Midwest. I will say everyone here is just much more direct. Yes. Yeah. And I appreciate that directness as opposed to indifference or like, I don't know where I stand with you. At least I know, you know, for sure. For sure. Um, I wanted to mention something that I learned about from oh, Kansas yeah, yeah. Drag Race was they, they did a, a challenge one week where they had to create these episodes of this show called Heritage Minutes. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Yes. At I'm all? so familiar with that. Yes. Okay. And I thought that was so yeah, cute. Do those, these moments in, in Canadian history that people may not know about. And they made these little commercials um, that would run on TV. Yeah, yeah. And you learn about Canadian history yeah. and these little um, recreations that they would do. Yeah. And I also think that as like in the States, I think we generalize Canadians as a certain way, like the Toronto scene or something like that as the polite folk. But I didn't realize how diverse Canada is as a whole. Like this past season... Um, a Quebecois queen won oh, the series. Cool. And so there was a lot of interesting things that she would talk about and like where her upbringing was yeah. and things like that. And of course, as Americans and the world now, we all know that Newfoundland is, is in Canada and yes. come from away. Yes. And- yeah, New- uh, Canada is big. Like Canada is bigger than in the States. Everybody forgets that. I know. It's, I think it's, it's crazy. We yeah, don't learn yeah you wouldn't it. know that, but we take up more space. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. curious, so on the topic of Canada, do you feel like once your time in Town has passed, do you feel like you want to go back up or do you want to stick around and see what else Broadway has to offer? I think I'm, I'm here. Yes. I am here. What I will say about Canada, like I've, may sound bad, but I have no real desire to ever perform in Canada again. Um, but okay. during the cor- during the lockdown, I started creating and writing, writing a lot and having some success with that in terms of theater companies giving me commissions. Now I'm like creating and stuff for theater companies in or colleges in Canada, but I'm not necessarily performing, but that works fine for me. But I, I like that. I like that. So do you write, are you writing like a musical piece or something like that? Yeah, I have a couple, a few commissions and stuff. Yeah. On the, on the go. Yeah. You are busy. You yeah. are busy and have a lot going on. Like, yeah. That's so exciting. I'm like, no, I don't have an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> we need to hook you up with an assistant. 
<laughs> Maybe an intern who needs college credit and they want to get involved in the arts. And know how to walk a dog. They know how to walk a That's a very good idea. <laughs> Drama listeners. Anyways, well, to all, you are so much fun. And we do like to end our episodes with a little dose of drama. Yours obviously won't be Halloween themed or anything like that, because we know that you're not, you're not into the spooky of the world. But this could be, you know, something to leave the listeners with thinking about as we head into this last weekend of October at the time of this episode's release. Um, it could be a recommendation for a movie, a TV show, music, anything like that. We will kick it off if your brain is still, still twirling a little bit. And I do want to end on a sad dose of drama, but a call to action. A Strange Loop has announced that it's closing and I am devastated. It is one of my favorite things I've seen over the last couple of years. And our listeners need to go see it in New York. You have until I think January 15th or something like that. It is so special. Sad. Have you gotten to see it, Joelle? Yeah. That, yeah. I can, I can play off, riff off of that. Not yeah. drama, but what I found interesting about the, um, the, re- the reopening of, of, of Broadway was that uh, so many playwrights of color, specifically black playwrights of color, were given the opportunity to um, debut their shows on Broadway at a, time yes. a lot, at a time when it was riskier than usual. It's already risky to produce something on Broadway, costs millions, um, but that's an even higher risk moment. And they didn't necessarily fare well because of COVID, all these, you know, all these outside factors. And so it would be nice, you know, if there could be like a redo, <laughs> you know, and, and when the theater, when it's healthy again, or, you know, there's an abundance of, of people willing to spend money and tourism is at its height again, that that kind of invitation is extended once again to those playwrights, right? Because here's, here's, here's Michael R. Jackson, his show's closing now. You know what I mean? Um, Chicken and Douglas Lyons. Yeah. Douglas had a bit of a short run, stinted run. Um, there was Thoughts, uh, that other one, Black. Thoughts of a Colored Man yeah. and um, yeah. Passover, but that did finish its that run. Did finish its run. Um, but I mean, like, it still had turmoil, like they had a few shutdowns within it. So it'd be nice if there could be like, if it could be just be done at the time when the, the business is, is healthy, is healthier. Because I feel like the only reason they got in was because of that situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Certainly felt like it because yeah. there was all these announcements. Exactly. Like- exactly. And so, and so I, I, I wish them all a second chance, a better chance to thrive. Yeah. Cause yeah. honestly, the people want to see the shows. Yeah. And those were most of my favorite shows that I got to see last season too. So it's interesting for people who were lucky enough to see them realize, Oh, these, these pieces are amazing. I wouldn't have gotten to see them otherwise, but why don't I get to see them otherwise? Yeah, see them otherwise. yeah exactly. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Gatekeepers open those fucking gates. Literally. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, my dose of drama is a little different than both of these, but it's something I've been feeling dramatic about and I want y'all's opinion. Okay. So, you know, we live on a line now. We live on our phones. We're engaging on Instagram DM sometimes more than text messaging. And I guess I'm wondering how you feel about when someone leaves you on red, when you Instagram DM them, happy birthday or congratulations, or you're reacting to a, an Instagram story. Is it rude when someone doesn't respond? I mean, I'm the kind of person that responds to every message I get. I don't know. I, I it, it's been, it's been so weird to me lately. Cause I've, I've sent like lovely birthday well wishes or something and people just won't respond, but they'll be like reposting things to their story. So I guess I just wonder, is this like a normal thing? They just, you're not responding because it's online or I don't know. It's it to me kind of at this point feels like not responding to a text, but I don't know. It's mm-hmm. drama. 
Yeah, my sister takes issue with that with me when she sends me something on Instagram and I don't respond. Like she'll get mad at me. But I'm like, the way I see it, I'm like, we're, but we, we sometimes look at those things. Sometimes we miss them. Sometimes you don't feel like responding to every single one. So I don't take it. When I was sensitive of somebody something, I don't ever take it personally. I don't expect a response. I'm just letting you know how this made me feel. And you can take that how you, how you want. Okay. I can't have the energy to wait for you to respond yeah. <laughs> to how I, I need, I need that perspective myself. Cause I kind of feel similarly to you, Connor, but I'm also guilty of not responding to everything. You can forget sometimes. I know. I know. I, mean, I guess I just mean like, yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you both. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's interesting how like our modes of communication have really, have really changed so quickly, like so quickly. I remember years ago being like, okay, well they wrote on my Facebook, happy birthday, but they didn't call me. But now I think it's, people think it's the same thing, you know, like it's. <laughs> it's so weird. I kind of miss the days when phones were just phones. Mm-hmm. I, no, I, 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 I didn't need texting. I'm not going to age myself, but I didn't need texting back in the day. I really didn't need to be in that much communication with people. Yeah. Now we know too much about each other. I agree. And there's a bit too much expectation and people getting let down for really silly reasons. Ah. Oh my God. So true. We, it's like, I always say to Dylan, I'm like, we should all know less about each other. (laughs) (laughs) But, but it's been lovely to learn about you today, Joelle. Thank you so much for sharing your time. I hope everyone goes to see your 54 below show goes to see you in Hades town. Everyone should follow you for sure. I've got your social handles pulled up here. Let me just, let me read these. Okay. So on Twitter, you are Joelle Blackman and on Instagram, you're L Shelley. Right. Yeah. Easy. Yes. Everyone needs to check out everything you've got going on. And of course, folks should be following us if they're not already. We're at the drama podcast. I am at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. Joelle, I will let you know when we knock on the door at the Walter Kerr and come okay. see you. I know. Absolutely. All right. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. drama.